home edition. William, this is a massive one. Yeah, it's a huge game, Alan. Big chance tonight to do something they've never done, which is go to a 50% minimum season. And they need this for the momentum going forward. Bit shaky last week in Zebra, very odd game. And this is this is absolutely huge. Uh, big crowd coming in, even though we've got this very odd kickoff time. Yeah, but it worked last year. It was the biggest crowd we ever had at a Treviso game. And it looks like it's going to be one of the biggest crowds we've ever had at an Ospreys game. OK, William, it's just gone 20 minutes. Uh, score is 14 points to 8 for Connacht. It's a hell of a game so far. That's oh, a great game. High speed, high intensity. Has the makings of a really, really good game. Good night for it. Both sides going for it. Connacht have scored two lovely tries. They've been a little bit slack on the uh, return kickoffs, which has just kept the, the Ospreys in it. Uh, we've we've done some lovely stuff, slick handling, and uh, it's been, the game has been played at a really high tempo. Okay, William, that's half time. We had an attacking lineup which we made a mess of, but luckily nothing came of it. It's 17 points to 15. What a game! Oh, it's a great game. It's as good a game as we've seen here this season. Uh, it's a hard one to call because they look very dangerous when they get into possession. They're playing very accurate and with good speed. We're having to make a lot of tackles. We got a little bit sloppy for a while where we sort of stepped off the pace, but we're back up on it now. And it's maybe time for another one of our uh, second half performances. But this this looks like a Cooper down to the wire. Yeah, it's a fantastic game. Really looking forward to the second half. Okay, William, it's just gone 60 minutes. We're winning 27 points to 22. What a game of rugby. Oh, it's a great game. The crowd's absolutely buzzing. It's it's real end-to-end stuff, but it's it's very, very high quality at times. Offloading, passing. We've been caught a couple of times on restarts. It's, it's an issue. It's something we've really got to get a hold of. It's impossible to call this one because both sides are going full tilt and both sides believe they can win it. Yeah, I can't believe this game is so good. We'll talk again at full time. My voice is gone. Okay, William, it's 70 minutes gone. We lead by eight, 30 points to 22. And the Ospreys have just thrown the ball into touch. This is an amazing game of rugby. This really is a stunning game. It's really disappointing that it's not on national television, which it was supposed to be. Some of the skills and the speed it's being played at is absolutely fantastic. It's still very, very hard to call. We're probably playing too much rugby in our own half. But the crowd are buoyed up. They're bouncing. Uh, ten minutes left. I don't know. I'm just hoping. I'm hoping. Points of 22. We're top of the league again. 
and we denied Osprey's a bonus point. What a game of rugby. And we've also now got a 50% season. We've won our 11th game. Never done that before. Just an amazing game and a fabulous performance. podcast i'm rob murphy by the way and i'm introducing myself now the boys have done that they're here they're looking a little bit cold well not really william's not cold he's never cold dave what a win oh that was fun wasn't that everything wasn't that everything you want in your team good but mixing the good the bad the fun the fun the terrifying and coming out with a win and you stop them getting any points william some of the rugby played by both sides was some of the best rugby i can ever remember here it was some amazing stuff it was brilliant it was high speed entertaining High risk, both sides going for it. Great self-belief and conviction in everything they did. Uh, Certainly as good a game as I've seen here in quite a long time. It flowed at a good pace and uh, they came away with nothing, which is exactly what we wanted. We got four points and uh, they got none. Some serious questions about Italian batteries. These ones seem to be running out. We only put them in last week in Zebra, but anyways, how are you, Alan? Uh, Throat's gone a little bit. Um, God, talking of batteries. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we had some we had some whiskey during the game that didn't didn't help enough. It just didn't have enough kick in it. So I'll have to get a better whiskey for next week. Less opinions opinions from Alan this week. I have a funny feeling. Yeah, it was a bit of Lafrague. I needed Lagavulin to be honest with you. Lagavulin. Yeah, oh, one issue last week. There was no need for such whiskey porn last week. Really was oh my pure gosh. whiskey porn, man. I cut out at least four minutes more of that. <laughs> <laughs> there was a whole other podcast. I just I chopped it because it was a bit too much. Anyways, uh, wow. Okay, so where where do we start? Because it's been that kind of day. I mean, currently somewhere in Dublin, Brian O'Driscoll is in a room trying to work out how is Alton Dillon going to learn anything more in Connacht. Well, he's going to learn a lot more, Brian, because he's learned all what he's learned so far. What a day for him, too. We need to start with him, I think. What a day. Yeah, he, he made a huge impact when he came on. I think he stole a line out, made a couple of hits, disrupted another ball somewhere along the way, and then that break was just astounding. And then to stay on his feet, you know, to make the break, offload, and then still be there for the return was just outstanding. That's the point, isn't it? It seemed to that kick started today. I mean, uh, you know, Pat Lamb said he was watching it. I get the I get the feeling a lot of the players will have known how well he played off the bench and they'd be so proud of him. And it just probably gave the gave everyone that bit of extra momentum into this game. It was, it was fantastic. Um, look, that's the sort of debut you want in a, in a losing team. You want to be the guy that that people remember, and uh, it, it was really really good. Yeah, just it's worth a mention off the top before we get stuck oh, yeah, into absolutely, this. Absolutely, I think it's highly significant that they that Ireland tried to play a Connacht brand of rugby and <laughs> kind and at the at the beginning right, and tried to yeah, yeah. and in the first half we're throwing it everywhere and I, 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 from an Ireland point of view I thought our, I thought there were a few issues I I thought we we didn't throw the ball around but I thought the best thing that was done in the first half was done by Robbie and I thought the best thing that was done in the second half was done by Delan. I thought there were a few issues regarding some decisions that I thought were questionable I thought some of our handling was very poor in the first half but if you're talking about what do we take out of that game we take out that 
I go back to something I remember two years ago. I remember talking to Alton. He was standing outside the door of the dressing room. His foot was in the cast. He was on crutches. He'd just double-broken his ankle. We thought, that's it, he's done. And the stories we know about what he does in his off to make himself a better player, that's what he deserves. He is the shining example to every young kid who picks up a ball in any sport who thinks, well, I'm from a strange part. I'm from a place that isn't traditional for that part for this game. It doesn't matter if you really believe in yourself and you really be- and you have people around you who believe in you as well, you can make it to the top. And I think that is a testimony to the coaches here and to the coaches down in Kerry who first gave him a ball and said, "Go, there you go, kid, play with this thing. Yeah, to everyone in Trinity <laughs> Rugby Club, you absolutely be- should be so proud of your young man. Why he wasn't picked up in Munster is not for us to guess, but why he was picked up in Connacht, well, that's because our structures, our academies, William, they're producing incredible players at a faster rate than, quite frankly, the other three provinces. Well, we've taken the academy route and we've worked with it. Mm. Um, I think the other provinces have probably looked for quicker fix solutions. Mm -hmm. And once your academy starts to slip a bit, it it takes time to get back to where you you were. So maybe the lesson comes from what we've done here. Hang on, hang on. on. Leinster have a decent academy. Their academy is pretty bloody good. You know, Munster, yes, seem to be struggling and Ulster have a few decent players as well. I think for... For the size of our academy, to be producing the quality of player we're getting with practically all the guys that are there. because there's which, only which is what I would be saying, why I feel ours is the most successful at the moment. I think the Leicester guys might argue with you. I would stand by that argument. Can you yeah, look at where this team is right now well, and yeah, look at the players there. they've had to buy in to really make to solidify what they're trying to do this year? Whereas our, 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 most of our team is coming from guys who've been come through from our own academy, plus the fact that we have less players to bring through and we seem to be bringing through more percentage of them. But anyways. Um, I think, I think, fair I, argument I think, against I think, I think Alan's point is fair. I mean, yeah. the Leicester Academy is something special. I mean, yeah. we, we, we saw them here a couple of years ago. We saw an under-18, under-19, under-20 game in a row and it was like, yeah, what yeah, the yeah. hell is that? They hammered us. But they have some, there's some great players coming through in, in Leinster and, and there's some great players coming through in the North. I think there's a couple of guys who've come through from Munster, but relatively speaking, given the tradition of rugby in this country, we're a small, we have the smallest amount of traditional, what would be referred to as traditional clubs. We have a lot of new up-and-coming clubs, but they're not, they're still feeling their way in. So the fact that we're producing the likes of Alton, the fact that we had five, we have five, we had four guys start the game yesterday for the under-20s, three of whom are from Sligo. Uh, and Peter Claffey from down the road we are producing admittedly it's an awful lot of us is because we have no choice because we just don't have the cash we don't have the school system producing the amount of the guys that they're getting in, du- in Dublin I mean there are, there are good kids coming out of all the other provinces but in terms of the starting point I do, I, do, I do share your point that we shouldn't be producing as many as we should be if you purely went on tradition and the amount of clubs in the, in the province OK so today Connacht have won they make 19 points out of the possible 20 all of a sudden when you get one point short of the 20 you're like oh we could have even had a bonus William but we could easily easily have lost that game Well George Clancy and the TMO made an amazing decision now apparently it is a correct decision Pat Lamb has defended it vehemently his exact words were if you reverse that I would have been annoyed at my player for not doing what he was supposed to do which is let go of the ball and pick it up again can I point out I have just spoken to a referee Peter Peter says it was the correct call now it doesn't mean it's the right call but it was the correct call that's such a referee's answer William I cut you off full flight go for it Um, you're you're sceptical I'm not sceptical because these guys do know what they're doing but 
if rugby's got to that stage, it has to have a look. I think it has to have a look at that. Yeah, I and think. If, it... And if that was Connacht, we would be livid, even if we'd had the explanation. It seemed to knock the stuffing out of them. They, they seemed absolutely baffled by it. They didn't complain too much. I have to say, there was no. They just got on with it. But that really did turn the whole thing around. They would, they would have been, they'd have been really, really close. But they didn't get it. So you know, it's you know. When you're at this stage of the season and you're you're moving from game to game, that game's over. It's finished. They got the points, and you just have to move on. Edinburgh's now the the whole focus. It's it's different. If we were down further in the table, you could actually talk about this game a lot more, and Connacht would probably talk about it a lot more and talk about how it would improve them. All it is now is points. That's really what it is. They they just have to say right, draw a line, and move on. The most important, yeah, William's perfectly right. We move on to Edinburgh. We'll hear what Pat to say. I think next week is going to be a, a surreal experience. I'm sorry, but Edinburgh playing in Murrayfield is great for the players, but it's 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 very very eerie when it's empty. Mm. Um, I think the main thing. M- w- Don't worry, Packy Stag is over there, so it won't be totally <laughs> empty. <laughs> Let me make him plenty of noise. If anybody, he's stuck in Mayo tonight. He's like not happy about it. And Pete Stag as well. I, we, like, I couldn't I forget like Pete Stag. We got two Stags to go to. Rob, I'm trying to work out how somebody had the short the short name for Niall is Packy. That kind of confuses yeah, me. But back um, to some. I think I think. When, well, I think William Mallon pretty much nailed it. One of the more one of the other things we have to remember is that that's not only is that taking four points for us, it's four points they don't get, which pushes them even further away from us. Building the gap between those teams, we have to worry about. We still have to worry about Glasgow. We still have to worry about Edinburgh. We still have to worry about the three Irish other provinces and Clenetley. But these sprays are slightly getting cut adrift somewhat. We don't have to worry about anyone. We're fucking top of the league by six points. We're playing unbelievable rugby. The weather has turned in our favour. The time we went, the, the dip we had in the season came when the weather turned bad and the pitches got really heavy. The pitches are now back to where we want them to be and our runners are frightening the life out of the opposition. The amount of tries we're scoring. It's just it's incredible. Well, <clears throat> before we had the dip, we were scoring just over three tries a game. We're now scoring over three tries a game again and a lot of it's to do with the weather we're playing Super 15 style rugby the weather's coming back to what we needed to be perfect night for tonight no wind not cold pitch was just bang on and we're playing some rugby at some great speed Broken Allen's making some good points yeah he is he's, he's croaking them out there with, with great force he's gone he's, he's gone I do like the one he came up for you for last night which was the 45th Connex player ever to be capped that came out no that was a beaut you hear that? Yeah, that was a beaut man was research. Beaut. I credit him straight out he's, he's, he's carving out his own Connex historian role there that was good work oh yes yeah, something else to say don't kill yourself now no 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 that was Ulton, Ulton getting on today meant that was the fourth, a fourth time a Connex player has been got his debut in in Twickenham two of them two of them were single cap players and the other was the great great Ray McLaughlin so let's hope Alton follows the way yeah possibly he was one of our three lines so who knows like <coughs> going too far but hey Alton's land we know he has tons of talent so but does he know who the other two one cap guys were yeah he never gave us those names uh, he'll dig them out <laughs> give him a minute <laughs> um, anyways okay so yeah we got to move on but at the same time you want to analyse to start with brilliant two unbelievable offloads for the two tries Healy pops it off to Aki Aki charges over and a lovely offload too from Nia Diolokan who had a fine game and who set up McGinty yeah, they were really good and they were they were done at speed and they they were they were accurate. Uh, it was the sort of rugby we were probably trying to play a little bit last week and didn't quite get there. Yeah. Um, if you were looking for negatives, we let them back in a couple of times after we we'd scored. But they scored great tries. Well, they did, and they 
they, they ran some fantastic lines. They were playing at speed. They had a lot of available runners. And they had guys coming from deep, which is sometimes we just miss that occasionally. But sides have their own style, and, and that's, that's the way they're set up to play. Uh, one issue we have to tackle, it was a problem last week, it was a problem in Breve, it was a problem tonight, is restarts. We are becoming very messy on restarts. Yeah, even and you go as far as the second phase off a restart sometimes too, where we really start to kind of you ask questions. Like, well, I'm more concerned about the way that people people person. people just sort of stand and look at the ball, and then somebody shouts, and sides are getting sides are looking at it and working on it. They're actually doing this short kick almost into midfield, which means our guys are are running laterally to get the ball, um, and really I'm looking to secure that ball and get the damn thing away from there. That's how Breve won the game against us by getting that uh, knock-on. Um, want to add to that? Person? Yeah, first of, all, first of all, I think it's it's going back a hell of a lot further. I think this is something that started last season. Okay. I think the short kick-out, the short kick-off actually didn't work tonight for them, especially in the second half because Qualch got up and made one amazing catch. Next thing we know, Tiernan's got the ball, it's back down, they're taking a line out in their own 22. Where we have a problem is when they kick it slightly deeper into our 22. And it's significant... That I, I mentioned this before that Muldoon is on, was under is normally under every kickoff. Now whether that then is to something going wrong afterwards that's immaterial. But Muldoon was under every kickoff. And tonight at times you're there thinking, well, who's taking it? And there's a little bit of leave it this leave it to you, sir. I think Williams nailed it. We, we are we are we're it's it's it, it shouldn't be something yeah you should work on. It. But it really is something we need to because it because we're coughing up points again and again and again. Um, oh, you have to work. Oh, on you it. have to work on it. And when you hear Pat Lamb talking about how much they work on the tackle and releasing mm. the ball, yeah. he you better believe he's going to spend some time. Oh, well, I mean, it's, it, but scrums, lineouts, and kickoffs are, are three entities in the game now, um, and he will be working on that. The video analysis will be out, and they'll be hauled in for a, a you know they'll be looking at it to see if they can just figure out who calls it. And what you do with it when you get it, um, because it'll it'll get you into trouble, and it, it did this evening. All right, uh, I'm going to do the Pat Lamb interview. Will I throw on the question at the end too? Because it was yeah, because yeah, I think, I, think that cl- I think you have to throw the question on at the end because I think it clarifies. Because I think there's a 95 percent of the people in the stadium, including everybody that isn't from here and has come across the sea, is going to want to know because because I think it genuinely Pat's very adamant about what was right and wrong about that call. None of us. I would. I needed that. I needed to hear it. I think the people need to hear it. Alan wants to say something before we do. What would have been a perfect segue? But anyways, ruin it. It was Michael Moylet, nineteen eighty-eight. Sounds like a good Mayo name. And Pat Turley in sixty-two, alongside. I think I remember seeing that. Yeah, and yeah. Pat Turley was alongside Ray McLaughlin when he made his debut. So they have the two single cap play- oh, four, four, four forwards. All forwards. Interesting. All the feats as well. Uh, it is tricking him. Okay, here's here's yeah, it's a bit negative, right? But like, here's a positive. Here's Pat Lamb talking after a fantastic win for Connacht. Pat, um, that game, first of all, high quality rugby did seem like a real step up in intensity, and you must be proud of your team the way they answered the questions uh, that the Ospreys gave them. Yeah, extremely proud. I mean, that's a quality Ospreys team, uh, and we knew that. We saw the team they picked and. You know, and, and you know, Reese Webb. We knew that he was danger, and, and uh, you know, Young Davies. I mean, I, I had a word to him after the game and said, "Mate, keep playing the way you are. He's he's uh, he's a superb little player." And um, you know, we, we wanted to put pressure on those two because we knew that was. And uh, you know, at times we did, but a lot of the times those boys you know created havoc. But for us, it was 
Yeah, you know, this sort of summed up our season. You know, you lose the captain Muldoon. He's our, he's he's, he's our, our leader, and um, yeah, before kickoff, and um, the next you know, guys step up. Tom McCartney led the team well, and, and the boys know that. I think it's just another example that this it is a collective, it is a team team effort, and um, you know, some young boys out there, and. Uh, and we were under the pump, and we said that all week that we're going to be at times we're going to be under pressure, and the only way that we get out of it is not panicking. It's about getting back into our structure. If they get if they get into the game, it means that we're not doing it's we're not doing something on our D, or we're not doing something right on our attack, and. You know, uh, it, was, it was a quality game and I hope everyone enjoyed it. Yes, I was talking to one of the fans on the way out there in a huge crowd and they were saying that Bundyaki charge at the end was worth 10 season tickets was the quote. So that bit of quality really adds to what Connacht are doing right now. Yeah, it does. I mean, you know, Bundy's just on fire all year. You know, he's he's just one of our leaders. You know, he's uh, training, you know, his... Um, he never has a uh, he never has a uh, takes it easier training and he the way he plays is the way he trains and the boys know that and he's lifted the whole standards there and set the benchmark and drives a lot of the boys and he's he's thriving and enjoying it which is great um, but you know you need moments like that as you go through these sort of games and um, and uh, but you know I think we scored three quality tries I think. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're trying hard to get that fourth one and we knew they had the fourth. We had to hold them out from getting two and there was a uh, there was a big effort at the end, massive effort. Yeah, when you think about it as well, you had a lot of young players on there. We have to mention this, but, you know, you got Sean O'Brien starting. Danny Qualter after came on, had a really, really good game and a lot of other key impacts from young players. Yeah, I mean, I was talking with Jake after and he, he said to me straight after that the... Uh, Geez, the difference the boys come on, and, and we've challenged the bench. You know, when we had that run of uh, games where we weren't quite getting over the line, we felt our bench, you know, was a, wasn't as effective as it could have been. And um, so, the moment we addressed that and we talked about the prep and we put a bit of focus on that, all the bench guys have come on. Whether it's minute seventy nine or minute one, you know, they get seventy minutes or minute nine minutes or one minute, just make a difference. But we felt that guys were sort of it's not coming on, and what can I do? It's drive the game plan. You know, drive if if I bring them on, someone's injured, someone's tired, or we're out of our system. So their 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 role is to get everybody up, bring the enthusiasm, and and it's just great to hear guys on the field who've been there from the start. You know, um, you know, acknowledging that's what was happening. We talk about the season in blocks of games. Maybe you don't, but that's 19 points from a possible 20 in this during the Six Nations period with one game to go. Is this Edinburgh game almost a bonus? Whatever you get from it, or oh no, this is uh, we're back to we're to board. You know, I mean. I think we we, we, we we acknowledge what we've achieved here. We've broken, you know, last year was the highest. We, we set a record with uh, 50 points. Uh, we've now broken that, 54. 10 wins was the most wins. We've now broken that, 11 wins. Um, but now, you know, uh, 54 in some years has been good enough for sixth place. Um, but now we've got to go and get the number 58 or 59 points this week. And coach has done a lot of work on, uh, you know, we've already prepared the game plan for uh, Edinburgh. Um, and analysis on them and um, you know we had a good meeting today about it so uh, come Monday uh, we've got a short week and um, there'll be a lot more less less uh, impact on the training uh, more upstairs and, and, and mental and then um, we'll have a sharp session on the, probably only one training run out in the field but a lot of work off the field to get our game plan right and there's a lot of boys took some knocks so um, got to see how that is I'll be uh, I'll be waiting anxiously for the the report tomorrow, and then we'll uh, 
we'll, we'll pick a strong team and get up to Edinburgh. It doesn't hurt that Ulton Delanza on television coming off the bench against England playing outstanding rugby. The whole image of Connacht today has, has taken a nice little boost. Yeah, I mean, Alton, I, I spoke to Ulton last night and he's extremely nervous. And I said to him, Test match rugby is the best, is the most enjoyable rugby you can have and it's the easiest rugby you can play. You know, it's the same rugby field, it's a, nice, it's a nicer pitch. You know, there's a bigger crowd, of course, but that's, you, you can't control the crowd. But I said, mate, just, you know, it's just it's the easiest. Test matches, rugby is easier than here because you just got to do your job. There's quality guys around you, and um, you know, and it was great. I watched him uh, come on, and he did exactly what he does at the sports ground and what he does in a Connacht jersey. You could all he did was swap the jersey over, the green jersey of Connacht for the green jersey of Ireland, and just is what he's been doing. And just really proud of him, uh, Robbie and uh, and Waddy. Um, although they didn't get the result, I thought uh, certainly for those three guys, uh, it was uh, it was, it was uh, a great effort. One other question, Pat. They're going to be very annoyed about that try decision. I mean, if it was the other way around, we'd be asking about it straight away. You know, uh, no, you I think we actually practice that. We actually practice that because you learn every time. But you, so you can't just tell players that we, we talk about when we tackle and we do a tap and drill. Everyone tackle, let the ball go, stand up, pick it up. Mm. Just get into habits of it because... You know, sometimes it's pinged, sometimes not. But the law is when you're brought down, and particularly when they want the tackler to release, when you're brought down, if he just let it go, stood up, picked it up, score would be a try. But that's that's. Uh, you're so, happy with that call, like you? Oh, without a doubt. Call, yeah. yeah, without a doubt. When, once you once you get brought down to ground, okay. you you you, you yeah, tackled, right. knee touches. You've got to release the ball. You know, so just release it, get up, and and carry. And I think we saw in a situation in the game today. I think there was one like that too. Um, and and again. Uh, it's about play, and I always say that the boys, good players, play the game. Great players know the game, and um, so everything we do at training is when we see something that you know we realise you can't just talk it to players. Put it into the training. So um, while the guy might be working on his tackles and the drill, the, the, the ball carrier can work on his steps, and when he hits the deck, um, so we practice. He lets go, gets up, plays it, and then the tackler practices tackling, let go, jump up on his feet. So you, you get all these little details right and you just drum it and drum it and then, you know, you're hoping they make a decision. So your question is, would I be um, annoyed? I'd be annoyed with the player if that was me okay. because we've, we've trained it. So if the referee called that and we've trained it and I'd be pretty confident our guys would let it go because we put it in the training. Okay. Yeah. Do you know the diesel in my car right now I got in tours in the middle of France. And my car goes for 1,100k and it's still got loads of diesel in it. He's still going to have his bloody trip. It was uh, quite, quite the epic adventure across no. Europe. Yeah, yeah. And what did we get? What, what did me and Alan get out of this? Eric. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, yeah, he might, I think Alan developed his sore throat from ranting at my po- <laughs> podcast from last week. Anyways. Did um, enjoy your podcast, did he not? Well, I did, I, right up to the very end. And Rob says, I'm not going to do it. And I went, oh, for God's sake. And I, then you, you <laughs> said it in the podcast. But you knew I was saying it at the podcast. Yeah, it was a good time, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, All right, yeah. hey, do you know what we should do? Um, just before we kind of go look forward to Edinburgh and stuff, we should run the uh, second part of William's interview with uh, Dr. Donald LeBurn. Good call. It was very good, wasn't it? That was excellent. Well done, Will. Yeah. Okay. So, a little bit of sound quality issues because all the boys piled in uh, for their for their dinner, and William sighing because he's like, "Oh, I couldn't move it," and yeah, all that kind of stuff. But anyways, leaving that aside, well worth a listen because uh, lovely detail here. And William undergoes a HIAX assessment. Yeah, that didn't go very well. <laughs> <laughs> If a player is stood down for a period of time uh, and he's sent on what is then referred to as the return to play protocols, who administers those and and 
mostly they're administered by the physio um, in, in most clubs because they're the person that's there on a day-to-day basis. The, uh, the, the, the initial assessment is done by myself or John O'Donnell, whenever John is there. Mm-hmm. There is a follow-up assessment uh, after the game, roughly about two hours later which is also done by myself or John, usually the person that did the initial assessment. Uh, Then there is a third assessment, uh, 36 to 48 hours later, which most times is done by the physio. And that's uh, an assessment which decides whether they're still suffering some symptoms of concussion or whether they can begin what's called the return to play protocol. Okay. And that decision is usually taken by the physio. Um, obviously, he looks at the, the, the he has the forms from the first and second assessment, and then he completes the third assessment and decides from there whether this player is ready to begin the return to play. That seems very structured to me and very clear cut. Um, part of the problem, maybe in the wider media, is that. This hasn't been perhaps very well explained, right. and there seems to be uh, a situation that it's all a bit haphazard. So I think it's good that you've actually explained there that there's a, this is, there's a very oh, deep structure, and our records kept of players' situations so that if they get one, then they get another one. All this stuff is there to be looked oh, at. Oh, absolutely! Everything is logged into a player's file. Uh, there is a full record kept of this, both by the club and with the elite players. It's, there's a record kept centrally by the IFU. Okay, William, repeat these letters to me, or figures, sorry, to me, backwards. 53914. 81439. Right. And I haven't had a bang on the head. <laughs> so you can't pretend this yeah uh, I mean if you we, we start with three we go up to four five and six figures and they have to repeat these backwards to us and that sort of gives a lie to the fact that the players just memorise all this stuff yeah there's about how many phrases is there there's, there's, there's three sets of, of uh, words there's about six sets of numbers and a player's supposed to I mean the story that's how there's all oh, the players just remember all this they bring it on the pitch with them and they come back verbatim um, which really again suggests that people just don't understand the depth that goes into this and this is all happening again in this 10 minute window in this 10 minute window the guy has just come off the pitch but he's interested in probably is getting back on the pitch but if there is any disruption in the way he is thinking this will find him out and all he needs is one mistake and we do not let him back on the pitch so I'm not going to be back on the pitch after that, folks. All of this forms, they're all kept and monitored and checked and are there for uh, down the road a couple of years later. You can go yeah, back and check. They are recorded. Uh, they're attached to each player's file according as he um, finds it necessary to, to do one. And they are also um, centrally recorded by the IRFU. And it is a tool that has been constantly re-examined so that statistically they want to get as many results as possible and they want to see what is really happening and how effective it is. And you were saying to me there that even after a game has been played, 
and the television has been reviewed maybe by Pro 12, they can they can come back to you and say... And they have done. They, they have phoned us up to say, did we complete head injury examinations on such and such a player that played your game last Saturday, uh, that we've examined the video and we're concerned about such and such a player, so that we have frequently been contacted four or five days after matches asking us whether we have seen this and acted on it. Yeah, that was a clear sign that you failed. Yeah, unfortunately I was uh, taken back to the dressing room and given an isotonic drink and that was the end of it. <laughs> Not very impressive, really. Can I ask, was this before or after the explosion? Oh, before. This oh, was wow. long before the explosion or the lag of Lagavulin or the whatever else we were drinking. So it was. I was completely... Uh, one coffee and one glass of water. We have to check that uh, Galway FM. We've got them to check to make sure Italian Telecom don't charge us for that ISDN line because they're quite expensive. And I think it would be quite shocking if they tried to. Anywho, uh, oh, Niall was on the phone, Packy. He was, almost right after the game, knowing that we were going to podcast and wanted to make the point because he's on his way back from Mayo. He had to go up to Mayo for something. Um, wanted to make the What's he, what's he doing up? Oh, he's probably going up to see if end of Kenny's or happy or unhappy. <laughs> in, a, in, in soon to be, just a couple of months' time, his in-laws, and they will be officially in-laws, are going to be all from Mayo. It's going to be half Mayo, man. Indeed, indeed. He, he, wanted to, yeah. Yeah, he wanted to make sure that we, we um, made note of how well Sean O'Brien and Danny Qualter, especially when he came on. Actually, Danny Qualter did a bit of an ultimate the land when he came on because he made a huge impact when he came onto the field. Um, I think it's the best I've ever seen Danny play. He's the same age as my young fellow, so I've been watching him for an awful long time, and I've never seen Danny play as well as he did today. Yeah. Yeah, f- fantastic. Came on. He took one ball out of the sky, and he played for Roscommon in minor All-Ireland yeah. final, and he took it out like, like a GA player. It was brilliant. Well, like, you know, Pat Lamb's gone on about this for a long time now, that this is, this is an interchangeable squad, and he just expects these guys, when they're picked, to turn up, know what the job is, and do it. He that's and he you know he hasn't just said that recently. That's been the, the, the last eighteen months, and we're starting to see the benefits of that now. These these guys are all ready to go, and they all want to play. Lindy McKenzie has joined the podcast. She didn't join it last week, even though I introduced her because we just didn't get a chance. <laughs> You're quite busy in Parma. Oh, I was very busy in Parma. Yeah, we'll hear about that another time. Getting some work done that that'll be very interesting down the line. But leaving that aside, what do you think of today? How good was that? What a superb result. And a very entertaining, high-octane match, end-to-end stuff. Um, got a bit loose at times, but that's what you get on hard ground sometimes when you play games like that. But the result is significant. And I think it's a, a huge pivotal moment, actually, in, in Connett's season to beat the Ospreys, both home and away, yeah. for the first time. Lily, a lot of people are saying it. Since 2003. Since 2003, but that was when they were just neat, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 So a lot of people are saying, and you, you'll appreciate this, and you watch a lot of Southern Hemisphere rugby, that Connacht are one of the few teams that seem to be playing this high-octane Southern Hemisphere rugby. Hey, the Ospreys seem to be another team, but it seems to be working for them. Are you buying into that? Do you feel there's a high, high like what you see in Super Rugby now, you've seen it from Connacht a little bit? Oh, absolutely, but I suppose it's, 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 it's suitable for Connacht because we don't have huge numbers of players of huge sizes like you might see 
in other teams, yeah, and particularly like with the the English type sides. So it suits Connacht, and also, I mean, let's face it, it suited it superbly on on a dry evening. Yeah. And I think that's what Pat Lammer said all along that he can't wait for the dry weather to see what his backs are made of. And I think they proved it again tonight, didn't they? Hey, while while I'm talking to you, you can help me tee up on the Aki's interview because he was really emphasising how much he loves playing rugby in the summer. But Diaki, what a win for Connacht tonight. Massive crowd, massive atmosphere, a really important game, and the Ospreys put it up to you. Oh, yeah, we knew that Ospreys were going to come out firing, and we knew it was a big game for us as well. So um, we just had to worry about what we needed to do throughout the week, and obviously we did. And um, you can credit to, um, to Ospreys. Uh, they came from the beginning of the whistle right to the 80th minute, and um, also a big credit to the boys who put their hearts out and big. Um, Thanks to the supporters who were out there tonight, so it was great to have them on our side, so it was good. In a game like that, you can underestimate a good start because they came back so quickly, but those two tries at the start were crucial to everything you did tonight. Oh, it was very crucial, you know, and like obviously we've been working on it, and um, you know, fair play to the forwards and the backs have been working on uh, working off set piece or broken play, and obviously it paid off, so um, obviously we wanted to start well, and obviously we did, and, um, and it paid dividend to the final score at the end, so it was good. Two brilliant offloads in those first two tries. Matt to you and Nee to a really good offload to McGinty as well. Yeah, um, we're practicing a lot of of, our offloading games and boys working hard off the ball and you know you can see it on the field like boys working for each other and you know when boys make a half break you know someone's on their shoulder so it's great to see that we're, what we're doing in the training paddock is seeing on the, on the field so yeah, it was good yeah, you had that big charging run at the end a lot of the fans will remember that it was a real highlight of the night oh yeah I was just lucky enough uh, I think a few of them slipped over so I was lucky to get through and um, that was great to, for the boys to come and support me on the back so it was good the intensity of the game the nervous finish but a couple of times now at the sports ground in the last two games you've finished well and you've not given the opposition even a few points at the end as well. oh we have like and you know having a big crowd like that on our side and having them shout our names oh. out it's it's great like you know it's a great feeling being at home and um you know just gives us another boost of energy um to get there and try and do it for the fans especially do it for the um our supporters and as well as our boys and team management throughout the crowd so good it only gets tougher from here like the fixtures but you, you seem to be relishing the challenges oh you know like, like you said like, it's, it's only going to get tougher and you know it's just we just got to keep picking up what we uh, what we left on the field and we just got to keep working hard for each other you know like teams are just going to keep targeting us and you know like quality players like um team like Ospreys in Edinburgh next week and you know like a team like Ospreys you know they're just like a few times they're unlucky but um you know credit to our boys and like for giving up their hearts for and playing really well up there so it was good you got a little bit of the old Connacht uh, that was the emerging force last season lots of talent a lot of breaks not going Connacht's way the breaks seem to be going our way now we seem to be earning the luck do you, do you feel this sense of major change now in the sports ground? Oh, there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot of things that's changed in the sports ground and you know our managements have really worked hard on what we need to do on the field and uh, show good pictures to the referees and stuff like that and the boys are obviously working really hard and you know and it's paying off you know, and you know, we just got to keep working hard in the training paddock and keep showing good pictures to those refs and you know, if we do the good pictures, then it'll probably pay off for us. And obviously, it did tonight. So it was good. Well done. Okay, we've got to move on towards next week. It's all exciting times because uh, Edinburgh and it seems like bonus territory. What do you think, Lindy? Anything we get from that will be a bonus, or do you think no? They have to keep winning. No, definitely keep winning. Mm. That's what they want oh, yeah. to do. Yeah, yeah. That's what they want to do. They certainly don't want to lose to Edinburgh. Stop the momentum. If they get this one out of the way, they're like. 
they're almost certainly top six. Yeah. yeah, certainly top six, and I think that's that's their ultimate aim. And and as well, you don't want to let up. It's not just about winning. It's about the performance. And Pat always says, if you get the performance, you'll get the win. So they don't want to slacken off. They need to continue. And that you know as. You know, you can see it today, that confidence is just growing and growing and growing because they know how to play good rugby now and they can play good rugby. And I think a win is, is um, what they'll be looking for. You really heard that in Bundy's interview as well. A lot of confidence in this team. Mm, well, there should be. There mm. should be plenty of confidence and they should go out next week and do, look to do exactly the same job, play exactly the same way. They'll obviously make slight modifications for whatever they feel they have to do to beat Edinburgh. They're, they're always going to tinker with certain bits of their system. But that's how they... Uh, that's that's what they'll do, and they'll. I, I don't see any reason why they can't go there. I don't know. Edinburgh play a very stoic game. Um, it's 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 certainly well best defence in the league. I'm hearing from Doctor Stato on my left here, and that's, that's <laughs> who's, who's now communicating in uh, sign language. <laughs> um, but that's that's an Alan Solomon's team. That's that's the way he sets up his teams. So Pat Lamb will look at that, and the coaches. Go for it! Absolutely, go for it. Get get a get a win over there, and then you have your little mini break when you can set yourself up for the for the next bit of the season. When and it's fantastic to be involved at the, this end of the table and not just playing games that you have to fulfil. Yeah, and proper rugby in the spring is what we always dreamt of. Best best non-Irish defence in the league. Oh, that's the best non-Irish. <laughs> That sounds like a, a incorrect clarification there. Uh, Dave, we said a few years ago, we said last season, the dream really is Connacht to be winning 50% of the games. Already 50% secured now, 11 wins. Yeah, but why stop there? Why stop, yeah. why stop there? I don't know what Edinburgh we're going to get. I, I, I think some of the bigger name guys have been called up to the Scotland squad, some of those real hard knuckly guys. But we said that when we went to Glasgow and we, we, met, we, met, we went, we had kids and guys they pulled out of amateur games and they gave us a right going over for 60 minutes of that game because you know, we, didn't, we didn't go there with the right attitude. And if we go there with the right attitude, I think we should be able to beat them. I still go back to Murrayfield. Is a, I know Pat was emphasising about how great it is to play Murrayfield. I think Murrayfield for this game is in our favour and not their favour. I think it's I think it's going to be cavernous. I think they'll be lucky to get 3,000 people there in a the 50,000 seat. Huge pitch. A huge pitch, Hopefully wide dry. open. If it's dry, I think that plays right into our hands. I think we should be looking for four points from that game. Because, I mean, our minimum target now has to be 64. And the sooner we get to 64, it means we can enjoy those last few games. Because realistic, realistically, there's no reason why we can't win all that last run of games. There's also another reason. There's also a reason. You might... There's also no reason why we couldn't lose all those games, but I think if they, if we go into this having got tw- a minimum of 23 points from 25, that is huge. William, we might even be talking after a while of, of trying to be top two if we keep this up, but of course we know there's some really tough games coming around the corner, but you know, that home semi-final, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going further. I went further. I'm the first person to say it. Can someone put a flag down? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think Connick will be thinking like that. They'll, they'll be concentrating on next week. Uh, that a victory next week would free up and take some of the pressure off the Interpro games. We know we have issues in Interpros. We don't win a lot of them. We've got the Grenoble game. So it's all about who's available, setting up your team, picking your sides, bringing back guys. Uh, Quinn Rue this evening was on water duty. Maybe that's a sign that he's getting closer back to the team. Um, they'll have to look and see who got their knocks, you know. John Muldoon was a late withdrawal today. That's just the way it is. 
All right, they're cleaning up the sports ground around us. The lights are still on, but they will be off in a couple of seconds. We're nearly ready for any other business. One final tough with Ninny before we get to that. Oh, Alan wants to jump in first. He's very anxious to talk. We have scored 46 tries, which is nine more than anybody else in the league, but we're playing the next three teams we play are the three best defences in the league. Okay, so our try scoring is going to slow down. And then, here's the thing, you know, the only six games in the Pro 12 so far have we played when the teams, when the internationals haven't been on. So when the World Cup wasn't on, Six Nations wasn't on, and they weren't disrupted. In those six games, we won two and lost four. So we can't forget that the real test is around the corner. Leinster, Munster, Ulster, Grenoble, and on from there. Well, interesting enough, and Pat said it tonight, that we're, we're missing, like, three internationals. Five, really, if you count Mammy and... and um, Beal him on the bench. Yeah. Beal him on the bench. And, and so were the Ospreys, only five internationals. Yeah. Yeah. So when you kind of look at it, we've always thought that Connor always had the edge during the international seasons because we had no internationals or fewer internationals than some of these people. But when you look at it today, the Ospreys, we were pretty, like, very similar in, in that respect. Obviously, I think the internationals coming back for the other teams obviously will give them more of a psychological edge. But I don't think Connett needs worry about that. Really? Uh, no, I don't. In, even I don't, in big interpros. No, yeah. no, no. I don't. I don't. I don't at this stage, especially especially if those interpros are at home. I think there's a, a huge developing confidence in Connett that um, when you have, obviously, we'll have our internationals back as well. Yeah. Um, so all of whom know, are playing top rugby. Yeah, absolutely. I think there were two players on the pitch tonight that would have, if they hadn't been injured, would have started for Wales in the World Cup. One is Eli Walker, who got injured halfway through. <laughs> the most obvious one is Reese Webb. Reese Webb, what a player! I love that guy. He's fantastic. I, th- I think Reese Webb. I mean, He's so we mean, can, can we do it? Yeah, they have five internationals, but they had two guys on there, and we still bet them with the best scrum half in Wales on the pitch oh, yeah. and the fastest man in Wales to come on in the last few minutes when they needed to score. Um, I don't think you just play what's in front of you. We shouldn't be afraid of these reputations. I mean, I mean, Munster had all those players. It was after the World Cup. We went down there and we pretty much put them to bed. So you know, you just play what's in front of you. I mean, so we could, like I say, we could lose all those games, but we could certainly win them all. All right. well, it's, well, it's interesting to know, if you look at the, the stats at the moment in terms of the injuries and who was available, is there something like 17 players unavailable for Connacht at the moment? Which is a huge statistic. Yeah. Now, you know, in the past, we couldn't have gone through a season with, with losing those players who we've lost. And as you rightly were talking about Danny Coulter before, the fact that Pat Lamb expects, expects players like that who have been training to step up. I think that is, is it Danny's first match? Yeah, was it since 2012 in the Pro 12? In the Pro 12, he has he has played in Europe, and I think, you know, the attitude was was here's your opportunity, Danny, you know, you're getting it, take it, and and look what he took it with both hands and both legs tonight. Yeah, thought it was Sean O'Brien's best performance for Connacht as well. Thought he was outstanding, and I think it's a really good sign. A couple of times he was pinged in his first few games, maybe just learning a few of the edges of how far he could go. Got that right tonight, lads. We got to get to any other business and finish this podcast off because there's more podcasts to come next week. William, me and you are going to Edinburgh. Indeed we are, yeah. Go to see what Murrayfield is like with a very small crowd on it and people standing on the touchline. And um... and then we got two stags to go to, so it's going to be like the after show of the Oscars or something. We're going to be having to get to parties all over Edinburgh. We'll manage. We'll manage, yeah. Lag of Vullen all round. <laughs> Anyways, uh, any other business? Come on, people. you got to want it. Biased commentators on television are driving me up the wall. 
you're watching the match, you see a decision made, and you know that the guy is going to be biased, whether it's for England or Wales or Ireland, and it's pathetic. It's just, it's so frustrating. You're there to, you know, the, the job of the colour commentators to explain why something happened, not get all high and mighty about the fact that it shouldn't have been against Ireland because you're from Ireland, or you shouldn't have been against England because you're from England. You know, get a life, guys. Oh, nothing like a bit of... Think there's anything wrong with the Irish supporting the Irish, and they'd see it that way. That's we expect that. Hey, we were in New Zealand during the line, so we know how it operates down there. (laughs) Actually, speaking to Six Nations, congratulations to the under 20s. What a result, Nigel Carolyn's side. And I understand Peter Claffey put in a huge stint for that for that game as well. So well done to them. Great stuff. Uh, I was like three guys from Sligo on that team. Great boost for Sligo Rugby Club. Um, fifth round in a row, lads, with no Scottish referees. Seriously, are they all dead? We need Scottish referees. We need Italian referees. Where are they? There's a serious issue here. I mean, it's going to be. It's a long term because also they're getting. These guys are getting. Are, some of those referees are not getting any younger, so they're going to need to be replaced. And are we talking only coming through from Wales? Only coming through from Ireland? This big issue about why there are no Scottish refs. Great atmosphere at the sports ground, by the way, tonight. What a crowd, Will! Sydney, what a crowd! Super atmosphere. No, it, it seems like more than 5,265 or whatever yeah, yeah. number was. Great crowd, great support. The singing was brilliant. The chanting, the, the, the really, you know, getting behind their team. So I'm above the crowd on the far side of the stand, and I've watched that develop over the season. You know, initially there was a lot of people, oh, we're not in the club. Lanterns, we don't get the atmosphere. The atmosphere over that side is brilliant now. The noise goes up into the commentaries on Galway BFM. We know what the noise is like here. This is, hey, it's our venue. It's, it's probably one of the quaintest, most different venues you'll find, but we like it. Yeah, it's a great venue, absolutely, and I, I, hope, I hope we don't move. And anybody, you, you can't buy something like this. You try to move it and you'll find it just hasn't... And I still think teams coming here still have something about it. They still... I don't know what it is. And I don't know. I mean, you walk over a dog track. Well, you used to do that in Cardiff up to 1983 at the the International Ground, and they did race dogs three times a week there, um, which is something that usually doesn't get admitted. Um... (laughs) I don't see what the difference is between a, ra- uh, between a, a dog track, quite yeah. honestly, and an athletic track. Yeah, it's rubbish. Which, yeah, you, find, which you find in several stadiums. And, it look, and William's right, it plays into our hands because they just overthink it, really. Uh, has everyone done any other... William hasn't done any other business. Again, it's a slightly odd point, but when Connacht announce teams and they list injured, unavailable players, they're still listing guys who are out for the season. And I, it's, it's a little bit odd that you see Nipia Fox Matamua there. We, we all know he's rehabbing. Um, we, so things like that. I just think that conf- it confuses fans because they're going to go, oh, are these guys available? They might be back for the next game. They need to be in a separate, separate subheading, in my estimation, of unavailable. And then you have a subheading of injured. And I'm going to counterbalance that. wasn't for no reason. It's just coincidental. I'm counterbalance it by Alan pointed something out to me the last day, and I, do, I used it in the commentary. I haven't used it before. Connick's Twitter account is outstanding. The information that flows through it is really good. Louise does that. I think she does a great job on it. So I must give her loads of credit on that because it, it's just such a flow of information. It's instant when the subs are coming on, and there's descriptions of why how the guys are injured, and you get updates on them as well. Very good work, and we know it's a very hard job. So well done on that. That's it. Connacht versus Edinburgh next week we're on the road again I'm not driving this time no way you're driving to Dublin Airport oh god yeah I am and you're driving back from Dublin Airport via Monaghan for a bit of Mayo football yeah and Alan's brought (laughs) nine cans of Guinness can that be on the podcast no no. No. but this is good audio we gotta leave it in it's in it's in (laughs) that's it